At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey everybody, Jacob Daniel here. This is the Daniel 3 Podcast, episode 71. Uh, This is a solo episode, hopefully going to be on the shorter side. Uh, So I'm doing a series, um, and this is going to be the first part, on going into the Bible and showing different passages that would uh, either explicitly or implicitly uh, teach or speak to the idea of property rights or Austrian economics, this is something I've talked about a lot in my show in passing, but I haven't devoted any like, uh, you know, deep dive or focused episodes onto this kind of content. And I think it's important. Um, for one, I think that there's a lot of libertarians out there that just deny this stuff. And so to talk about it more is good. Uh, two, there are some in the, uh, even the Christian libertarian world who, um, you know, think that the Bible doesn't speak on this stuff. And so I especially want to uh, bring light into that. Um, but three, mostly, you know, when we're talking to Christians and we're trying to, um, you know, maybe persuade them or encourage them to take take more of a libertarian stance on things, uh, being able to go to the, the book itself and show that our ideas are, you know, uh, littered all, all over the place <laughs> in, in the Holy Scriptures. Um, and actually, I would say that our ideas are, are basically just derived, in a sense, from from the scriptures, whether it's uh, explicitly done or not. Um, you know, I think that the development of libertarian ideas uh, definitely stems from uh, the Christian worldview. But that is a bit of a claim that would take another episode to go into. Um, uh, as always, um, I, I have to, you know, bring up. Blueberry wine, Wilbell, uh, go buy it. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Uh, okay, sponsor out of the way. I'm not going to give a whole spiel each time, Will. Um, but yeah, Will Bell, good friend of mine, uh, uh, sponsor of the show. Um, definitely check out Rabbit, uh, Rabbit Eye. I think it's rabbiteyewine.com uh, or just, just Google it, Rabbit Eye Blueberry Wine. Um, support libertarian small businesses. 
All right. Um, so I actually um, wanted to start by reading an excerpt from, uh, and I've had uh, these people on my show before or talk to them on their show. Uh, so this is uh, the book Faith Seeking Freedom. Uh, it was written, uh, published by the Libertarian Christian Institute. Um, I've been on their show and had a conversation with Doug Stewart, and uh, I've had Carrie Baldwin on my show a couple times now. Uh, and Greg Bauss, although he's not mentioned on here, uh, definitely uh, you know, has some contributing influence, I would say. Uh, so this is a great book, uh, just for like, if you wanted to have a quick primer to give to Christian, you know, brother and sisters, uh, to sort of, you know, go through, uh, the basics of libertarian philosophy and economics and to connect that to the, to the Bible. It's a great resource. It's only, I don't know, 120 pages. It, it's, it's not a, a thick read. It's a, it's, it's a very good primer very good um, introduction uh, to get people, you know, thinking about these things and to, and to learn more about about, about our ideas. Um, so they have uh, early on here uh, a section which is kind of like, well, what is you know the basics of libertarian libertarianism and what is libertarianism? And um, so they get to a point where they're talking about property rights. They've already kind of gone through the non-aggression principle. And all that, and self ownership, and and all that. Um, so they get to property rights, and you know. So one of the confusing things is that people will sometimes go to things in the New Testament and say that there are passages where Jesus or or the apostles are, um, you know, condemning capitalism or condemning the pursuit of wealth, condemning property rights. Um, whether that's like an act when it talks about how all things were held in common um, or, you know, there's like passage in, in Colossians uh, where it talks about God is the ultimate owner uh, of everything. Um, but, you know, we're also as humans, we are given stewardship over over the earth by God. So although God is the owner of everything, um, our his ownership, you know, acts out through us. So and and there's something, you know. This reminds me of the analogy, and I got this from uh, Stephen Rose, who is the uh, host of the Anarcho-Christian podcast. So I'm plugging a lot of my Christian libertarian brothers and sisters um, uh, for this episode. You know, and I, 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 I do need to pause here and just give, you know, I, I don't derive all, I'm not like some, I didn't fabricate Christian libertarianism from from my own, right? You know, this was a journey I went on with the help of others. And I'm just trying to, you know, kind of in the same way that and I'm not going to liken myself to Dave Smith in terms of like my reach and audience, but, you know, it kind of reminds me of how Dave says, well, I just go out there and, and say the same things that Jeff Dice and Scott Horton and Tom Woods say, but to different audiences. And yeah, it's kind of what I'm trying to do is, is I, I love the ideas that Stephen puts out on the Anarcho-Christian podcast. I love the work of the Libertarian Christian Institute. And I'm just trying to, you know, if anything, just just be a microphone, be a megaphone to shout their ideas into, you know, more areas and to more people. And uh, if, if, if then they, through me, check out those two people, two, those two groups, uh, you know, all the better. Um, this is not for my own personal glory. And I'm going to give credit where credit's due um, because, uh 
that's you know just the right thing to do um Anyway, well, before I pick the book back up, so the reason I brought up the Anarcho-Christian podcast, Stephen Rose sort of explained that uh, the Bible describes two types of relationships, right? There are the horizontal relationships, um, and, and those are sort of like the uh, relationships between, uh, you know, man to his fellow man. And then there are the vertical relationships, which are the relationships between man and god both individually and collectively the relationships between you know man and society and the creator and so anarchy you know the way way stephen puts this is that anarchy is basically the uh acknowledgement that if god is you know the sovereign ruler that vertical relationship what that speaks to is is then that in the horizontal relationships no one can be a ruler to uh, another. And, you know, there, there are many passages in the Bible that would back this up. My favorite is uh, Mark 10, 42, where Jesus specifically says, um, you know, that the Gentiles are love to lord and arc over each other and brag about their status and their power, but it should not be that way among you. And if anyone seeks to be the first or to be a leader, he must first be a servant. And and so and you know I've I've talked about that a lot on my show, so uh, yeah then you know because God is necessarily the sovereign and because you know Christ is King, the relationship we have among each other as 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 men living here on Earth is an anarchical relationship where no one uh, is is ruler over each other, um, and so in that same vein, even though God is the owner of everything, okay, well God. Um, that that is in a sense describing i think that sort of vertical relationship but then in terms of the the horizontal relationship or then the uh, the the analysis of how the world works when it comes to um how we interact with the world that we certainly um you know have an ownership over things in a in a certain sense it might not be that kind of same metaphysical claim that that god would have but but it's a um, it's an economic claim, right? And, and so I think the distinction between those two categories is important. There's, there's, you know, God is a a, a metaphysical, a, a necessary, a spiritual, a uh, you know, deep, uh, deep rooted, uh, existential <laughs> um, owner uh, because of you know being the creator and that which you know I think brings essence to all things and to life itself. Um, but in an economic sense, uh, in a philosophical sense, we we also can uh, claim ownership to ourselves, to our bodies, and to the things around us, to the products of our labor, and to the things that we freely trade for. Um, then when you're dealing with passages like, uh, you know, uh, in Acts and stuff where people hold things in common, it's like, well... I think the critiques there that we could go into would go into kind of like, you know, how you can have voluntary uh, sharing of resources within a small community of, of people. And this is sort of what we do in churches today. This is what you kind of do in your family. And uh, while certainly uh, you can share things that you own, you have to own them first in order to share them. And if we completely eradicate the idea of, ownership 
and try to start from a place of collective, everyone collectively owns everything. Well, then we run into a lot of problems where uh, the Austrian school of economics would get into, you know, economic, the, the problem of economic calculation and, and prices law and, and, and how, how society cannot be, fun, you know, cannot function in this way. Um, furthermore, the Bible needs to, you know, speak to itself and we have to read uh, passages as they relate to the rest of the Bible and have a proper sort of like hermeneutic and a proper reading of scripture from, um, from start to finish. And so, um, you know, going more into what uh, the, the book Faith Seeking Freedom goes into. Um, so I'll read, let's see, uh, why are property rights so important to libertarians? Well, Christians believe that all humans are ultimately owned by God in Christ. Colossians 1, 15, 17. Humans as image bearers of God are given stewardship over themselves and their property. This stewardship is not only a responsibility we have to God, but it is a right that we have in relation to each other. So that, that's kind of like it's a lot of what I just said, but in their own words, much more succinctly. Um, human rights are foundational in a libertarian society due to their normativity. In the words of Frederick Bastiat, rights do not exist because men have made laws. On the contrary, it was the fact that rights existed beforehand that caused men to make laws in the first place. This is sort of like the idea that uh, the rights are, you know, every man is created with an, an, uh, uh, rights endowed by the creator and uh, that government doesn't, doesn't, you know, government isn't the creator of rights. The idea is that government would be the protector of rights. But how do we identify or, or articulate them? This has been the problem philosophers have faced for centuries, even back to ancient times. Property rights, however, are a useful way to clearly identify human rights. Christians may claim property rights in their person and of their things vis-a-vis uh, -vis uh, Christ's teachings in Matthew 20 and Luke's reference in Acts uh, 5.4. In fact, property rights are so useful that Murray Rothbard said they're axiomatic. That is self-evidently true. Christians agree that stating that this is a God-given norm through creation, and which is why they are self-evident, because property rights are evidenced by nature. Human beings, whether believers or not, may operate on the same rules, and we don't need to teach every individual a contrived political economic theory. Property rights are useful because everyone, everyone recognizes them regardless of their personal po political proclivities. Even socialists believe in property rights. They simply believe the government has the right to a given property. So libertarians operate from a principle of property rights because they are universally understood and self-evident, and Christians may operate from the same principle because it's supported by Scripture. So, uh, first of all, you know, I think that, that was well said um, by, by the writers at LCI. And I wanted to I'll bring it over here to my other screen. Uh, give me a second here while I try to position this where I can. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 
read it. This might be difficult. All right. All right. So they brought up Matthew 20. And, and so this was actually, when I read the whole passage, I thought just to read this whole passage and to talk about it a little bit would actually uh, be, because there's so much here. Like this is like, this is one of those passages that like, honestly, I could do a, two hours on, but I'm just going to do a little bit now. Um, so the, uh, this is sort of a parable of sorts called the laborers in the vineyard. Um, so this is Jesus speaking. Um, so this is chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give it to you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And on the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. I want to pause here and just highlight uh, verse 3 again. He said, and when he, when he, so he agreed in verse 2, the initial laborers, they were going to get a denarius a day. Uh, and then he sent them in. And then when he's the third hour, when he saw people standing idle, idle, he said to go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give to you. I just want to make sure I really... Uh, highlighted that that section. He didn't he didn't promise them a specific amount. He said, "Whatever is right, I will I will I will give to you." Um, there's no evidence that he forced these laborers to go in. They were standing idly. They probably wanted to wanted money, and so they agreed to just okay, whatever's fair. You know, you'll just you'll, you'll pay us what what you pay us. Better than doing nothing. All right. So uh, when evening came, picking up back in verse eight. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those who hired, um, uh, and those who hired about the 11th hour came and each of them received a, a Daenerys, um, which was what he promised the laborers at the beginning of the day. <laughs> um, and after receiving it, um, Oh, sorry, no. When so yeah, uh, so when the eleventh hour came, they those who came at the eleventh hour, each of them received a, a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, "These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us." who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he, so I, before I read this, I, I just want to, you know, highlight, um, again, no coercion has happened. No, no deceit, no fraud has happened here. You know, essentially, you know, in, in this parable that Jesus has constructed, you know, the, 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 the owner of the vineyard is trying to have his vineyard worked and he, you know, he is clearly wealthy. He wants a certain amount of work done by the end of the day. And so as he's finding more people standing around who are 
not doing anything else, he's like, well, I might as well pay them to come in and help get more, uh, more work done. Um, you know, and so then picking up in verse 13, you know, so obviously people are like, well, you know, what the heck? Like these people worked one hour and you're paying them the same amount that you're paying us who, who agreed to work at the beginning of the day. But what he replies to them is, uh, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you, did you not agree with me for one denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. I am, you know, he says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Um, God, there's so much there. For one, I think this passage clearly demonstrates, like, especially that last part, which is kind of what LCI was bringing up. They they said, especially, uh, you know, verse 15 of Matthew 20, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my, my generosity? So right, right there, like, even without going any deeper, we have a clear demonstration of how, uh, you know, that which you own, you can do whatever you want with. And that is essentially what property rights are. You know, when you own something, you have the right to use that resource as you see fit. Um, you have a right to use that, that, that which you have made, that which uh, belongs to you, um, you can use for, for, for any purpose, uh, including your money. <laughs> you can spend your money however you see fit. Even and you can do so in a generous mindset, but so part of the the lesson here, of course, is that you know it's okay to be generous and and to you know there's there's some spiritual implications here, uh, lessons about you know even those who are last, um, you know inherit the kingdom of God and, and all that you know because that's how it starts out for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house. So I don't want to take away from that. You know, obviously Jesus, you know, uh, everything in the Bible has like no no end, no bottom, um, but there are sort of primary and then secondary lessons. The primary lesson here is probably not about property rights, but so m- much more about Jesus sort of uh, talking about the kingdom of heaven and talking about, again, that thing I talk about very often on my show, how the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and to be a leader is to be a servant. All, all of that, you know, echoed throughout this this passage. Um. But but a secondary, and I think, you know, by secondary, I don't mean, like, insignificant. Still a very significant lesson in the passage. Um, you know, I just always want to lead with what the gospel says and, and add, you know, political, economic commentary in afterwards, just in a sort of hierarchical sense. But, you know, this is still a strong, important lesson that, that speaks, that comes, you know, comes out in the text very clearly, is that, this is the Austrian theory of value, right? Like the whole idea that like, it's not the labor theory of value. This, this passage refutes the labor theory of value, like succinctly. Cause what did, what did he say at the beginning? He says, I will give you what is, what is right. Um, well, if labor theory of value is true, then they should have only got paid for what they worked. But, but that's not what he paid them. He paid them what he wanted to pay them because what is right is, property rights what is right is you can pay people whatever they want and but also pay people what you agreed to the people at the beginning agreed to one denarius 
That's all they were owed. Now, you could have said, well, maybe he could have paid them more, but that wasn't the point. The point was he he wanted to get more work done. And so he said, you know what? I will just, you know, get these throughout the day. He kept bringing more and more people in to maximize the return he would have at the end of the day. And he said, you know what? And I'll, I'll pay, I'll incentivize these people um, with the Daenerys. Um, you know, maybe if he had, you know, he could, could have paid them less, but that's not the point. Just because he could have paid them less doesn't mean it was wrong for him to, to you know, or he could have paid the, he could have decided to pay the initial workers more, but it wasn't wrong for him not to. So this, this, this passage just completely flies in the face of all this sort of, you know, socialist rhetoric about, you know, fairness and equality being the, the leading values of, of, of economic theory and especially Christian socialists. I, I would be curious to see what they say about this passage. Cause to me, this is a clear refutation. No, you do with your property, what you choose to do. And, and, and it's not based upon, you know, you, you don't have a moral obligation to some sort of, you know, uh, you don't, you don't have any sort of obligation to the myth of, equality or egalitarianism or, 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 or these notions of, of fairness. That's not what leads. Um, you know, if anything, charity is the opposite of equality and fairness. You sometimes give more to people who haven't earned it out of charity, out of grace, out of love, out of mercy. But the point is beyond, I mean, first, of course, yeah, you know, merciful, the last will be first, etc. Um, but but then after that, that which is yours, you are free to do with as you please. And you do not cannot demand from an employer, not demand from a con those who have contracted labor from you. You cannot demand from them that they pay you more based on an idea that of equality because they paid, you know, you can't go to you can't like if I me like come up with an example here. If um I sold a computer. Let's say I had like a, I had a bunch of computers on my shelf, and one person came up and bought the computer from me for a hundred dollars. That's a weird number. Uh, let's say a thousand dollars. And then you know they're hanging out afterwards. They're like they're they're waiting to be picked up. Somebody else comes in, asks to buy the same computer. You know, I have another model, the same brand, all that. And I tell them price is a thousand dollars, and they said, "Oh, well, I have nine hundred dollars cash. Will you take that?" And I say, "Sure." Can the first person say, "Ah, you swindler! You, 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 you know, you, you baron, you robber! Can you, like, you owe me a hundred dollars?" Like, nope, you didn't haggle. You didn't. You didn't negotiate. I said a thousand dollars. You accepted that. We had a contract. We agreed. We paid. I, we exchanged property. What's done is done. What I, what, how I do business with somebody else. Um, does not then uh, have anything to say about what I owe you. What leads is property rights. What leads is voluntary association and voluntary con- uh, um, contracts and agreements. What leads is um, that value. Also, another, another thing to come here is that la- value doesn't come from labor. Value comes from whatever two or more people agree to in terms of the value of that exchange. And that the value of goods and services is subjective. So, yeah, th- this is all, you know, Austrian economics 101. <laughs> um, and so I, I thought that, th- th- that you know, just reading that passage kind of 
uh, blew me away in, in terms of just just how uh, how deep all that was. Uh, give me a second here. I'm trying to find where to go. Here it is. <laughs> trying to find my screen again after I pull up the scripture. So, um, so yeah, um, you know that that's just one passage. There are many more that we can continue to go into. You know, uh, you know, like I I think the the most common one just to bolster that a little bit. Uh, do not steal. Well, you can't, you can't, theft doesn't exist without property rights. So the idea that the Bible does not have strong, strong messages about not only, so like, you know, again, the gospel reigns supreme, the good news for, for all men, for salvation. It, it, that's, that's what the Bible is is primarily about, but to, but to deny that there are other lessons in there, about how to properly live our lives today, including that on economics and property rights um, is to just deny what is plainly spoken. And that's, you know, I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care what background you have. uh, Even if you're one of those cringy red letter only, uh, you know, Christians, that was red letters. I just read (laughs) that was all red letters. So, um, but you know, I would also point out that the red letters were written by the people who put the black letters in. So maybe stop, maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know, <laughs> maybe, maybe stop uh, having cringy theology about, uh, you know, cherry picking the Bible. All right. Um, that's all I got for now. Um, like I said, this is going to be a series where I go into different passages and just do a quick little commentary like this. And, uh, uh, show how libertarian ethics and economics can be found throughout the scriptures and uh, amen to that, right? So let me know what you guys think in the comments. Uh, if you enjoy, uh, if you like this idea and if you want to see more, because uh, I, I, I value your feedback. Um, you know, if you thought I was right, if you have any disagreements, of course, comment below. Let me know what you think I got wrong. Um, and uh, if you like this episode, maybe give it a like. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Um, and, you know, if you want to financially support the show, um, enable me to continue to put the good word and the good message out there. Patreon.com slash Biblical Anarchy. Join for as little as $5 a month. And, uh, yeah, with that, we are out of here. Until next time, everybody, remember, don't fear the fire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.